the pursuit. I mean, that's, that's where we are this morning, and uh, I hope that you will go there with us, that you'll journey with us in the process, because I, this week was hard to prepare for, not because of a lack of things to talk about, but because there is so much to talk about. And I love a good chase scene. I love movies that have chase scenes that are intense. They make your heart pound. You kind of get that nervous twitch in your leg where you're sitting in the movie theater and you're like, are they going to get away? Are they going to make it? Are they going to catch them? Depends on the story. Does the good guy catch the bad guy or does the bad guy uh, get away from the good guy? Or is the bad person chasing the good people and you want the good people to get away? It all depends on the story. For this, this morning, the idea of the chase is very important. The idea of the chase, and we are going with the good guy chasing the bad guy. And uh, Israel is about to, is, well, has entered in one of the darkest times uh, of, of their history. Roughly 208 years, you see these different kings rule. 39 different kings come to power. Five of them were documented as good kings. The rest of them all had, they were evil attached to their names. And I'm not sure if you want that to be your name, you know, what you're, what you're known for, but unfortunately for Israel, all the rest, aside from five, would be counted as good kings. And so we walk into this time period of a very difficult thing to watch uh, into the prophets of the scriptures. We see the, the, the prophets who are coming and they are being the mouthpiece for God. And um, ultimately, we see that God didn't sit by In fact, he started the chase process. And I think there are four keys to a good chase scene. And the first key to the chase scene is stop. Okay? Because the chase hasn't started yet. You got to give them the option. Do they stop or do they run? Do they stop or do they take off? And so with God, you see this stop, halt, wait, stop in the name of the law. I mean, you see all those old movies and they want somebody to stop what they're doing. And ultimately, the message of stop is over and over recorded for us in the Old Testament. God speaking through these prophets to a people who are headed somewhere, but he doesn't sit idly by. He actually, and I want the scriptures to do a lot of talking this morning, Isaiah is one of the prophets that the Lord uses to speak. In Isaiah chapter 1, listen to, the, listen to what they're guilty of. Listen, O heavens, pay attention, earth. This is what the Lord says. The children I raised... And cared for have rebelled against me. Even an ox knows its owner, and a donkey recognizes its master's care, but Israel doesn't know its master. My people don't recognize my care for them. Oh, what a sinful nation they are, loaded down with a burden of guilt. They are evil people, corrupt children who have rejected the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. Why do you continue to invite? Punishment. Must you rebel forever? I love this. Your head is injured and your heart is sick. I find myself saying that to my children all the time. What is wrong with you? Your head? Are you serious? You keep inviting punishment. You choose it. And it shocks me. And I feel like the Lord gives me some words here. Your head is injured and your heart is sick. In Jeremiah, another one of the prophets sent, and Jeremiah is one of the harder books of the Bible to go through. Jeremiah is a very difficult and dark time. His, his life in the journey of where Israel was headed and Judah was headed, it was not good times. But this is what he's, the Lord is speaking. 
He says, has any nation ever traded its gods for new ones, even though they're not gods at all? Yet my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. The heavens are shocked at such a thing and shrink back in horror and dismay, says the Lord. For my people have done two evil things. Look at this. Two evil things. This is what he's getting them for. They have abandoned me. The fountain of living water, not just an abandon, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. So they're guilty of abandoning the Lord and pursuing other things. And they're only capable of digging for themselves broken cisterns that hold no water. Ezekiel, another one of the prophets that the Lord sends, this is what he says in Ezekiel chapter 2, son of man, he said, I am sending you to the nation of Israel, a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been rebelling against me to this very day. They are a stubborn and hard-hearted people, but I am sending you to say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or refuse to listen, for remember, they are rebels, at least they will know they have had a prophet among them. At least they would be able to say, no, God did warn us, and he did over and over and over and over. In Hosea chapter 4, Hosea's name actually means salvation, which is very interesting when you look at the picture that the Lord paints. Hosea chapter 4, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, O people of Israel. These are the people of God, okay? He's talking to the people who are supposed to be reflecting this God. The Lord has brought charges against you, saying, There is no faithfulness, no kindness, no knowledge of God in your land. Now, what's interesting about the story of Hosea is in an American culture, in a movie-driven culture, we would say the story of Hosea, where he pursues her, and she is rescued, and she comes out of a life of, of prostitution, and he rescues her, they have kids, and it's a happily ever, end, ever after kind of ending. We don't know if that's the case with the story of Hosea. We obviously see him go after her after they've been married, and she cheats, and she runs, and he goes after her and buys her back, but we don't know if it's a happily ever after ending. And that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is God saying, this is what my people are like. You run from me, and you turn to other lovers. Notice the, uh, if you saw the common thread in all of the warnings, it was all about turning from God and looking to other gods. Now, yes, the behavior was a result. Their behavior was not reflecting that of God. Their behavior was reflecting the little g-gods that they were pursuing. There was a lot going on in that day. There were people that were completely consumed with reflecting the little gods that you saw. You obviously, in the story, you saw where Solomon... He loved many women. And what happened when he loved many women? He loved their gods too. And there's a problem with that. But the Lord continued to send warning after warning after warning. I don't know how many of you follow history or like history, but this year marks the hundredth year since the sinking of the Titanic. And I was watching something in April, and I, I, just brief moments of things that I saw, brief snippets, but one of the things that I, that I saw, that I heard was that there were multiple warning messages sent to the Titanic about what was coming, what was coming up. 
the ice fields that they, could have, that they were going to encounter and saying, hey, don't go this way, don't go this way. And one of the accounts talked about how there were these guys who were ultimately, their job on the Titanic was to send back messages to the mainland for all the people who were enjoying their time on the ship. They were sending, basically getting in line to send messages back home and telling them, oh, you should see this, the drapes, they're great, the cheesecake, all this different stuff, it's wonderful. And in the process that these guys are sending messages, there were multiple messages sent to them explaining that there's something coming up. In fact, one of, one of these uh, ships that had avoided this ice field was actually Morse coding these guys, trying to connect with them. And he, this is the account, his account is that he received the message back, and I want you to see what this message said. This is one of the messengers on the Titanic who was putting all these warning messages aside so that he could just keep doing what he was doing. And that image is very simply, shut up, shut up, I'm busy. Now, I'm not blaming the sinking of the Titanic on this guy or this account, but there's something very weird about the human condition. How many times do we have to be warned before we respond? How many times do we have to be told don't before we respond? Our hearts are hard, folks. And I know some of you might be like, well, I would be quick to turn. If I knew all the stuff I knew, I'd be quick to turn. Please, don't put those shoes on. It's easy to say that looking from the outside in. But what we see is the Lord trying to warn and rescue people from the reliance of cultish practices Their reliance on military power, they were beginning to not trust God and trust military power. He was trying to rescue them from behavior that would destroy them ultimately. He was trying to rescue them. Uh, One of the things he said was, do not align yourself with foreign powers. And they were like, well, if we can just hook up with them, everything will be good. And they began to rely on that. He was trying to warn them not to change his laws because there were kings and priests who were changing God's laws. And he tried to warn them, don't. They were setting up shrines, as you saw with Solomon. They were ignoring the priests. And also the priests were just as corrupt. They were actually giving false messages, saying that it was from God to these people. God actually gets on to them about that. He's like, you're saying that everything's going to be okay. It's not going to be okay. And so over and over and over, the Lord pursues and calls them to turn their faces to Him. So the first first step in 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 the chase scene is the stop. The stop. Don't. And then you've got to decide. Do I ignore the warning or do I run? Do I ignore the halt, cease, desist? Or do I run? And Israel, obviously, chooses to run. Second Chronicles 36 gives us a very interesting picture into the time. The Lord, the God of their ancestors, repeatedly sent his prophets to warn them, for he had compassion on his people and his temple. But the people mocked these messengers of God and despised their words. They scoffed at the prophets until the Lord's anger could no longer be restrained and nothing could be done. 
Now see, at this point, you and I, in our wicked hearts and our sinful hearts, we say, well, he should just warn them more. Just give them more warnings. Actually, you know what would be even better? Is if he just canceled it all. If he just swept it under the rug and just let it go, man, come on. That's what our hearts would say. Because we think we're more compassionate and we're more fair than God. That's the, that's the role we take. That's what we think. That's what we believe. But I look at this and I see over and over and over the Lord saying, don't, just quit, stop, look at me, look at me, look at me, don't look anywhere else. And I've wondered, why didn't God just bring the hammer of justice after one time? Why didn't he just say, don't, okay, you didn't, bam, squashed. And I, I, I kind of, and I know that this may be a strange comparison, but with my children, okay, I love my kids. And there are those times when I warn them, I say, Zeke, don't. Now, yes, there are times, granted, that I'm exhausted and I'm tired of punishing all day, okay? And I'm like, stop, stop, don't, please don't, I'm exhausted. If I had energy, I would, you would get punished right now, you'd be disciplined, but I don't, stop. I don't know if you've been a parent, you've been in that world, if you haven't, you will be at some point. But when it comes to when I have the energy and I see my son and I say, son, do not do that again. And I say it again to him, do not do it again. I think there's something in me that does not want to see my son choose the wrong consequences. I warn my son clearly. I say, son, here's the deal. If you do that again, you will sit in timeout. Now, I know there are some parenting styles out there that are like, no, you, give, you said it once and you just drag them and you throw them into prison or whatever you do. I don't know. Some, there are some parents who love that, and I get that. This is not about parenting. This is about me, okay? <laughs> but I know there are parts to me where I look at my kids and I hate when they choose the consequences that I set before them. I tell my son, look, you choose to do this, you're choosing time out. I just want you to understand. You choose to disobey me, you're choosing to go sit in time out. And I warn him and I make sure it's very clear I don't, I mean, I make him say, do you understand? And he says, yes. I turn my back for a split second. He does it. And I'm like, son, you just chose time out. Now, because we're sinful and hard-hearted and wicked, we'd be like, I didn't choose time out. I didn't choose time out. I didn't choose that. Yes, you did. I gave you the option and you chose it. And there's something about being a father where I hate seeing my kids Choose the discipline, but it would be even worse for me to not discipline. He would be a wreak of havoc on society. He would. And I really do feel that reflects the heart of God in some ways, is that yes, he knows that we are messed up. And I know that the scriptures definitely say he takes no joy, he rejoices in no death of those who die. But because he is loving and because he is just, and those two are not at war, he has to act. And so he does. He acts. But not without being actively involved with his people. You see, with Jeremiah, I told you Jeremiah is a very difficult book to read. Jeremiah is actually sent, and the Lord says to Jeremiah, he's like, look, If you can just find one person, one person in this wicked and corrupt city who will look to me, 
then I will spare this city. I will not send the rest of you into exile. One person. Not only is this a picture of how compassionate God is toward us, it is also a picture of how wicked we are. I think we go, God is a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances, and he is. But we're wicked. And we invite the consequences. See, God is the one who makes the covenants. He does not break them. We do. God does not break his covenants. We break them. We go against him. We reject his ways. We reject reflecting him. We choose sin. And because God is loving and he is just, and we talked about this, his ways have been revealed to us. He also revealed the sacrifice. Um, Now, with this, the pursuit and all of the different things, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, all of the prophets, God pursued them first. He even pursued Jonah. And I want you to see the heart of Jonah in just a minute because it's ridiculous. Okay, Jonah, if you know the story, they tell the good Bible story where Jonah ran from the Lord and he gets swallowed by this big giant fish and he spends some time thinking about what he's done and he gets spit up on the coast of the country he's supposed to go and tell about the Lord. If, if they don't repent, they're going to be destroyed and all this different stuff. And then it ends like that. Yeah, it's like, yay! I don't remember the kid's story ever talking about the end of Jonah's life that, that we see in the last chapter. I want you to see in, in Jonah chapter 3, The Lord is actually very compassionate with the people. He says, When God saw what they, Nineveh, had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways because Jonah went and told them about the Lord, he changed his mind. God changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Now, this is going into chapter 4. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. (laughs) What? He's the good guy, right? And he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Listen to this complaint. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were merciful and compassionate, God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn your turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Really? They don't tell you this part in Sunday school. Because the teacher's got a lot of explaining to do if this story's about Jonah. <laughs> that dude was messed up. <laughs> Jonah had forgotten that he was part of a pursued people just as much as the people of Nineveh. Jonah had forgotten that he was pursued. And he began to go, it's all about what you look like on the outside and works. And these people are wicked. <laughs> the, the whole complaint is crazy. I knew that you were merciful and compassionate. Slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. Just kill me now if that's what you're going to do. Really? Jonah forgot that he was a part of a pursued people. Now, it's interesting because you got the opportunity to halt. You got the opportunity to, am I going to run? Am I not? Am I going to run? Am I not? But then you see how the Lord chases down his people. And it's so unlike anything that the world has ever seen. In Hosea chapter 4, listen to the the more of God's plan being revealed. Hosea Hosea chapter 14, verse 1. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for your sins have brought you down. Bring your confessions and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and graciously receive us so that we may offer 
You are praises. Assyria cannot save us, nor can our war horses. They were trusting in other gods, trusting in military power and strength. Never again will we say to the idols we have made, You are our gods. No, in you alone do the orphans find mercy. The Lord says, Then I will heal you of your faithlessness, which is what we all need to be healed of. My love will know no bounds, for my anger will be gone forever. Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 5 and 6. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you. You will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. God is a God of restoration, but he's also a God of correction. And the restoration comes after correction, which is what we don't like. We just want the restoration part. Correction comes before restoration. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 12. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. O my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land then you will know that I the Lord have spoken and I have done what I said yes the Lord has spoken did you get the clue on what God is doing he's coming closer no more would his spirit just be in a tabernacle in a temple in this box his spirit would be in us this God who is unlike any other God the world has seen is coming closer and closer and closer. This morning, I'd love for you to um, put away the typical thought of, okay, so I'm supposed to be Jose and the world is Gomer and I'm supposed to run after Gomer even if she does No, it's not the point of the story. There are some of you who are so quick to look for the nugget of application that you miss the narrative. There are so many of you who are quick to go, what's the point? 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 Stop for just a second. If you would just believe the story. I think so many of us are like, what's the truth that I can take from this? What's the one thing I can think on? Believe the story. Because I'm absolutely convinced until we understand that the pursuit of God is his plan, our response will not be appropriate. And what I mean by that is if you believe you have anything to do with God coming to you, you're going to hold on to that. You're going to hold on to the idea, well, I'm I'm not wicked like everybody else. Or I've been good most of the point. Or maybe you're at the other end of the spectrum. You're like, well, um, I'm too wicked. He can't come to me. It's still pride. It's still pride on both ends. And the Lord is unlike anything this world knows. Uh, I want to show you a verse in Isaiah chapter 55. And Nate and you and the guys can come on up. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9 is a very popular verse that we tend to quote because of the lower story. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now, if we're looking at this from a personal perspective and circumstances, yes. Okay, I get that. God does do things in ways we won't understand. But I don't necessarily believe that that's all the Lord is talking about here. I believe there's a bigger picture. And it starts with Isaiah 55, 1. 
And I want you to hear where the Lord is headed with that thought process. 55.1 says, Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money. Come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. See how I used him to display my power among the peoples. I made him a leader among the nations. You also will command nations you, don't, you do not know and peoples unknown to you will come running to obey. Because I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to your God for he will forgive generously. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The upper story is that God's plan to come to his people is unlike anything the world has ever heard. Come, drink, eat, even if you have no money. Wicked saints, come, it's free. You don't have anything to bring to the table, but I bring it all. My ways, they're not like yours. But God, I got to have enough money to pay for the food. No, just told you to stop that, didn't I? But God, I got to be, no, what did I just say? My ways aren't yours. My thoughts aren't yours. You don't save yourself. I bring the rescue. You believe the story. You believe me. I'm absolutely convinced that our response to Him will not be a whole life until we understand His pursuit. You see, the ending of a chase formula, if you've got the stop, you've got the ignore the warning, you've got the run and chase. The fourth part is the catch. The fourth part is the I catch him and I put him in jail from the good guy chasing the bad guy. Well, in this situation, we, the bad, According to the scripture, if the Lord catches us, brings us to life. That's so weird. My ways, not your ways. My thoughts, not your thoughts. You may think you have to earn my presence. My thoughts aren't like yours. You may think you have to do enough dances and jump through enough hoops to get me. Not my thoughts. You may think you're too far from me. You may think you're too wicked or too broken or too messed up. Not my thoughts. Not my ways. My ways are different than yours. My thoughts are different than yours. And so this morning, before you look to take the point, believe the story. Because that is the point. The story is the point. And I hope you'll let him catch you. 
don't harden your heart to him. Let him catch you, and according to the scripture, bring you to life.